0: Series that we've that we've been in, in our first series in our uh, own building, the series called "This House," and we've been looking at um, over the over the last three weeks. In this morning, we've been looking at this, these places where Jesus has used the phrase "My Father's House." And There's three places that we've talked about already where Jesus says "My Father's house" specifically, and this morning we're going to look at a, a place at a different passage where um, Jesus doesn't say "My Father's house" because he doesn't need to say that because he's actually quoting from his Father, and and so he says, as scriptures say, "My house," because he's quoting God. So it's. It's, it's the same thing, It's just it's not quite the, the same thing. Um, if this is your first Sunday here, don't, don't sweat it. You're not going to be missing out on, on anything. This, this message will kind of stand alone, and so um, it, it, it'll be good, and, and you'll be fine. Um, l- last week, in the story of, of Jesus, Jesus kind of kicked off his ministry. He only had a ministry, he only preached for about three and a half years. Years And so um, we go back in the timeline. He's, he's 12. We started off and he's in the temple and he's ready to get doing what his father called him to do. But, but Joseph and Mary say, no, you got to come home with us. And he waits 18 years until he's 30. And that's what we talked about last week when he kicked off his ministry. And if you remember last week in, in John chapter two, there were two things that, that kind of kicked off Jesus' earthly ministry. And they're completely odd. They don't make any sense. The first thing was the actual miracle that hardly anybody knew that he performed. Because at that wedding, remember, and he turns the water into wine, it's a a big deal. By the way, I happen to believe it was actual wine, wasn't grape juice, it wasn't anything, it says what it says. Uh, and so he turns the water into wine, but, he, but like nobody knows about it. So the very first miracle that's supposed to kick off his ministry and it's like bring in this new age in Jewish history and, and, it's, and it's quiet. He does it behind the scenes and nobody knows. The very next thing he does in the second half of that chapter is he goes into the temple and he just causes a ruckus. Like he kicks over tables and he makes a whip and he's driving, like it's completely opposite kind of thing. He performs no miracles. And, and really makes this huge scene. It's an odd way. And, and I, I, I had this in my notes last week and I didn't say it because I didn't want to offend anybody. But look, this is like Jesus' beginning of the ministry in the temple is kind of the way that Donald Trump starts his presidential campaign. <laughs> I mean, it's like, like woohoo, let's go. Uh, it's like completely, like, you, like if you were the Messiah and you were gonna start this ministry, you only had three and a half years to convince the world that you are the promised King. This is not the way you would do it. This is like, this is not the way you run a presidential, uh, campaign. It's just kind of, it's just kind of crazy when we look at all of that stuff and and put it together, but uh, Jesus had a reason for being upset. Like the, the very priests of God had turned the temple into this profit making kind of monster. It was, it was just, it was just crazy. And so we learned last week, last week that while this house, whether we're talking about the temple or we're talking about the church, while this house is for us, it's, it's where we come to get energized, to learn, to grow, to, to build relationships, all of those things. While this house is for us, it's not about us. It's about God. And, and we, have to, we have to remember that. And so this whole series has been about how do we function within this thing called the church? How did they function in the temple? How are we supposed to build? behave, and, and and what really is this place? Is it just this place where we come and gather for worship, or is it is it more than that? So we've got to remember why we come, like what purpose there is in us coming together each Sunday and, and worshiping together. And so it's that purpose, I think, that we're going to get to, and, and we're going to kind of look at, um, This morning, and so before we jump right into the text for today in Mark 11, let's just take a minute out and 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 pray together that we're that we're open and we and we we get this right. Okay, let's pray. God, thank you, Um, thank you for this place, this house. Thank you for your house. Um, And 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 we know that the church is not a, a building. The church is a is a people. The the Bible calls it the ecclesia, the the called out ones or the community of of Christ. This this group of people who come together around this idea that the son of God came as the king of the world, but then died because his kingdom was not of this world. And and we're supposed to live differently. We're supposed to think differently. We're supposed to look differently. We're supposed to love differently differently. And so it makes sense that the way that we would come together and worship, the way that we would use this house might be different from other things. And and so, Father, would you just um, give us wisdom and discernment, understanding this morning as we dive into the the text to really see what it is that you want us to see, what it is that we need to hear today um, from you as we have as we have come to your house. And so um, God just speak to us today, be, be with us. We thank you for your presence in Jesus name, amen. So we're gonna jump into um, uh, Mark chapter 11 and, um, we're, and we're getting used to all this, right? So we got these screens up. Um, if, if you're in the back, I, I hope you can see. Uh, when I am sitting back there, I can't, I can't see. Like I got a squint and I don't get weird. Um, this is what happens, over 50, okay. So I'm going to read the text from here. If you can see it up there, it's, it's up on the screen. They came to Jerusalem and, and he, Jesus, entered the temple and he began to drive out those who sold and those who bought in the temple and he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons and he would not allow anyone to carry anything through the temple. And he was teaching them and, and, and he was saying, is it not written, my house, this is the quote I was talking about a minute ago, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations but you have made it a den of of robbers. That's Isaiah prophesying, speaking for God back in Isaiah chapter 56. It's a quote of God. Verse 18 says, The chief priests, the scribes heard it, and they were seeking a way to destroy him, for they feared him because all the crowd was astonished at his teaching. Boy, wouldn't it be cool to be such an incredible speaker that people wanted to kill you? (laughs) Because <laughs> that's what it just said. They were they feared him because everybody was astonished at what he what he had to say. That's kind of kind of crazy. Well, let me let me start with this question: Have you ever had a plan that didn't pan out? You Ever had a plan that didn't didn't pan out? Like that's rhetorical, right? Because sh- please tell me everybody has had a plan that didn't pan out. Like that statement could explain. This entire last week in, in my life, so I, I want to give you just a little uh, a, a little snapshot of, of my my week this last week here, uh, in this place on Tuesdays, one of the things that I do when I come in is I, uh, I get the file, the video file um, that we record on Sunday service. And I edit it and I upload it to the website and I make sure all that stuff works so that people can come back and look and we have an archive of all that stuff on online. It's just part of that normal rhythm Tuesdays. That's what I do. And then I I had plans to do some other things. Um, We we needed to get the internet uh, access point installed in here. There's a a camera that we got installed. Um, I I knew that I wanted during the week to try and get the video feed from in here running back to the kids uh, area so that they could enjoy like they, they should have been participating in the first part of worship with us like they're watching the same songs live that we're um, singing in here. So when you get your kids after church and you're on your way home, you can talk about the music because they will have watched it and participated in that. So I think it's kind of cool. So I had these things on my list for Tuesday. Wednesday, I try to make a sermon writing day and try to get as much done as I can on that. And then the rest of the week is just finishing that up, making sure everything is ready for Sunday morning and getting stuff ready. And and, and since we have a building now, like life is different for us. Like I have been, uh, my office has been in my house for six years or more. Um, And so it's been different having a a place. And then um, Andrea uh, works full days on Monday and and Friday. And so I uh, kind of take, I take care of Trent on Mondays and and Fridays typically. Um, And and so um, Fridays are a day like uh, typically I would just be home and I would be working from home and getting things done, uh, getting them ready. Uh, So that's kind of the plan. So I come in Tuesday morning, I pull the file, I go to edit it, and there is a loud a, like loud, annoying hum in all of the audio feeds that we have going into the, 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 the saved file. Um, so the, the thing I ended up uploading, not till just uh, yesterday or the day before, was uh, just the message portion of the video. And it had, it's super edited because we, I had to try and pull that hum out of the system. And it's not, it's not great. Uh, but here's the deal. We can't live stream or record or send the video back to the kids if we have this high loud hum in the system. So, so Tuesday was not about just getting that uploaded and, and moving on to the other things. Tuesday was about what are we going to do <laughs> because we cannot have this in the system uh, and, and still live stream and all the things that, that we want to do uh, so, so Tuesday, I did get a couple things done, but, but Tuesday was kind of, kind of shot. Then I, I found out that the sign guy was coming in. And, uh, and, and so he was like, you need to have your frame prepped and painted before I come back and install the skins and the lights and make sure everything works like it's supposed to. Um, so the, my plan for Wednesday uh, was shot. I was here late Tuesday night. Uh, Wednesday I came in, we, we prepped, we painted the sign. Then we had the airless sprayer all ready to go with paint in it and everything. And so we were like, well, we, we probably should just paint part of the building because we've got it all set up. It seems a waste to just do it. So we painted the building. Um, I was back here Wednesday night during rehearsal, working on the hum, didn't get it fixed. Uh, Thursday, much of the same. I did get video signal to the kid's room on Thursday. But then Friday when I came in um, and Dave and I installed the TVs, we found out that was no longer working. Um, And and so now I have a hum and then we don't have video signal in in the back. So I was here uh, late Friday night as well. um, And a conversation with DJ on the way home late Friday led us to a way to work the thing out where we could live stream today and we don't have a hum in the system. So we did get that fixed. That's good. Uh, we, we did not, like the, the video going back to the kids, it's not what we wanted, but it is working. And so we, we, we got that. Um, but so it, it has been like, like it was literally, I don't know, 15 hours maybe of trying to eliminate those things and get things working so that we could, we could do church the way we want to do. Now, I tell you all of that. I was here late last night. I, I tell you all of that not, not for your pity. I, I tell you because, because that's the problem. Because that's the problem in, in, in our lives. Um, that there is just, like no matter what you're doing, there are always things that need done, Right? And it doesn't matter what it is. It could be super important, but there's 15 other things going on in your head. And when I come into the church to work, like it's really hard to sit down at my computer and work on something, like work on the message when through my head, I'm like all of these things that I know need to get done and have to happen. And what's the next project and how are we going to accomplish that? So here's the deal. The Jews were commanded by God not to work on the Sabbath. That was Saturday uh, for them. It, It was to be a day dedicated to God to remind the Jewish people that their worth did not come from their work. So for 250 years in Egypt, the Israelites believed that their worth was completely tied to what they could produce, their their work. And when God rescued them from slavery in Egypt and he brought them to the promised land, he wanted them to understand that you are important to me because of who you are, not because of what you can do. And so the Sabbath was all about helping people to understand that God loved them first. Before they had done anything to deserve his love, he wanted them to have a weekly reminder that they could rest in that love, that they didn't have to earn it in in any way. The problem is that all of these rules and laws for the Sabbath, you can't work, you can't do this, you can't do that on, on this Saturday. But that didn't apply To the priests and the Levites. The people who took the sacrifices, prepped the sacrifices, presented the sacrifices to God, like they had to work. on on the Sabbath because there were things to do and when the Sabbath was over come Sunday morning for the Jewish people there were repairs that needed to be made on the temple and it had to be cleaned from all the sacrifices that they had done on Saturday and then every day the Jewish nation the priests were commanded to make specific sacrifices every day of the week all year long and then somebody else could come in and they would have another sacrifice or a praise offering or so the priests had to handle that. There's always these things that needed to be to be done. And, and so what I'm just trying to say is that there was back then, as there is today, always things to do. There's always things to do. And some of those things they command our our time, right? They're urgent things that have to get that have to get done. I'm like, we have not live streamed for four or five weeks. We have people that watch the live stream that we don't even know about. The, the sign guy was here Thursday night. I came back by, we had dinner at Dwayne and Gymnas. We came back by the, the church and he was out there working with two vehicles pulled up with their lights shining on the sign so that he could do, because it was dark out, So he could get the work done. So I stopped and I helped him finish that, finish that up. And as he was leaving, he says to me, are you going to be live streaming this week? <laughs> um, he said, I, I heard that you were hoping to. Now, the only way that he could hear that we were hoping to is that he has watched previous videos, uh, that we have uploaded after Sunday. I did not know that he watched, um, our stream. And, and so I'm like, okay, we need to get this live stream going. Like there are things that command our times, things that come up that have to get done, um, before we move on to the, to the next thing. There are also things that constrain our time. Constrain our time. There are um, illnesses and injury. There's trouble. There's car trouble, unforeseen things. Things that just pop up. And then that time that we thought we had allotted, it just gets shrunk up really small. And then there are other things that just consume our time. They're just time drainers. Like they just consume large amounts of time. If you drive uh, by 4th and Boyer right now, you will see that my yard desperately needs to be mowed. And it has not gotten mowed, number one, because it's very hot, number two, because I have gotten, Home after dark almost every night this week. And so it just has not gotten this on my list today. I hope to be able to get to it. But after church today, we're supposed to take Trent and we're supposed to go to a ball game in, in Wichita and then we're supposed to record the podcast. And I don't know when I'm getting home. So I hope to get the yard mode um, today. There are also always dishes that need to be done and laundry that needs to be handled and things like there's things that just consume our time. And all of a sudden, we wish we had more of it and, and, and we don't. And I think that's part of what's going on in the text with Jesus today. Like there were things that needed to get done in the lives of the priests and the Levites and the people. And they lost sight of the idea that this this house, the temple, it was actually God's house. It was his house. And so they treated treated the temple, they treated God's house like it was just another building. They treated the Sabbath like it was just another day. They treated each other like they were just another annoyance. And so Jesus interrupts in the temple for the second time and is like he interrupts this busyness with this outburst of of righteous indignation. And um, like if you happen to be thinking, uh, didn't we just talk about this last week? Didn't we just talk about Jesus coming into the temple and like turning over the tables and doing all that stuff? And if you thought that, you're absolutely right because we did talk about that last week from John chapter two, the very beginning of Jesus' ministry. He's 30 years old and that's how he kicks things off. But in Mark chapter 11, Jesus is not 30 anymore. He's 33 and a half. And he is very near now, not the beginning of his ministry, but very near the ending of his earthly ministry when he comes into the temple. In in, in fact, in just a few days from this event in Mark 11, he, he's going to be interrupted overnight and he's going to be hauled out of the garden and eventually killed. And so um, Jesus is once again, as he was in the beginning of his ministry, he is at the ending of his ministry. He's in his father's house, defending it against people who had profaned it. And in John chapter two, at the beginning of his ministry, he says, do not make my father's house a house of trade, like about us and about earning and gaining and getting what we want. And, and here near the end of his ministry, instead he quotes his father. And so we're, we're going to take a, another look at um, Mark chapter um, 11. Now I want you to notice in, in verse 15 that it's basically a repeat of, of John chapter 2. It's the same stuff going on. The priests, the Levites, they're selling sacrifices in the temple. We talked about that all, all last week, so I won't rehash that. But they're, 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 just, they're, it's, it's, they're just not doing things honestly. They're not doing things with in, in integrity. They're, they're cheating people and they're selling things at a higher price. They're exchanging money in, in the city uh, at a profit. And, and these were things that they were commanded not to do by God. So verse 15 is like essentially, it's the same thing that was going on in John chapter 2. But there's something new in verse 16 that happens. Um, apparently, over the last three years, since the last time Jesus cleared the temple, the people had begun to follow the practices of the, the priests and, and the religious leaders in defiling the temple. And, and so uh, uh, Jesus, it says that Jesus stopped people from carrying things through the temple. Now that seems like, I'm like, what? So, I I mean, I don't know exactly, but here's what I think is going on. People are hauling loads, either themselves or on carts or on animals or something, and they're hauling that stuff through the temple complex like it's a shortcut. And if you remember the idea that the the presence of God was supposed to physically dwell in the Ark of the Covenant in the temple. And the closer you got to that, it was like getting close to the sun, the holier the surrounding area got, the closer you got to God. And so the idea that people are just um, hauling crap through the temple is, is ridiculous. Like this can't happen. What is going on here? And, and I think part of the reason that this was going on is because hundreds of years before this day, um, the temple had really stopped being the house of God. Like God's presence had left when the people had begun to defile it. He, he, he wasn't there. Like he, he saw it. He paid attention to it, but his presence had, had, had left. And so the temple had become over the years a monument a museum, if you will, of Israel's spiritual past. It was no longer a vibrant part of their spiritual present. And the reality for us is that there are a lot of churches around the world who have become the same thing. They started out as a vibrant place, a spiritual transformation was happening. And over the years, people have gotten um, complacent or they've tried different things or it's, it's become about them and not about other people. And so these great big massive church buildings have just become monuments and museums to things that went on in the past. I, I remember as a kid, if I happened to be sick on Sunday morning, staying home and, and, and watching I can't remember the guy's name now, but he was the preacher in the Crystal Cathedral in California. Anybody old enough to remember that? And we'd watch him. Do, do you know that none of that exists today? The building is completely used for other, other things. Nobody knows or cares any longer about the transformation, the things that happened in, in that place. And so Jesus quotes from the prophet Isaiah, who was speaking prophetically on behalf of God in Isaiah 56. And we're not going to read all that, but I want to point out a couple things from the first half of uh, chapter 56 of Isaiah, because Jesus never did anything without a reason. So if Jesus in this moment that he's overturning tables and driving people out, if he quotes God from Isaiah 56, is because there's something in Isaiah 56 that he wants us to understand, and and if you were a Jewish person, a male in particular, you would have had Isaiah 56 memorized. And so when Jesus quotes his father, all of Isaiah 56 would have come back to your memory. They would have understood. Now, they might not have got it, but they would have remembered it. And so I think it's important for us to look back, like, what was being said in Isaiah 56. So Isaiah 56 begins speaking about justice and righteousness and blessing that comes when you keep the Sabbath or you practice the Sabbath, meaning you, you, you follow the law of God on the Sabbath. You honor God by obeying the rules that he laid forth about the Sabbath, about resting, about recognizing that he'd already paid the debt, that he did everything, that there wasn't anything that you could do to earn his blessing or salvation. And, and so this was how a Jewish person honored God, by obeying the law of the, the Sabbath. The, the second thing that I think we see in Isaiah 56 is that, um, that, that, that through uh, uh, God, through Isaiah in that chapter, he, he mentions two people groups that Israel had a lot of trouble with. And, and, and maybe in, in your mind, and, and, and maybe not, but maybe there's a people group a subculture in this community uh, that, that that you can think of that, well, you would just say you're at odds with, like, I don't understand them. Okay. If you're a, if you're a boomer, if you're a baby boomer type person, uh, that people group for you might be the snowflakes. You you know, those people, (laughs) You, you, the idea is that they live in their parents' basement, playing video games all day and they gripe about everything. That's the idea. And so maybe if that's you, you're like, well, that's the group I don't get. Maybe it's based on the color of somebody's skin or their preferences about life, about choice, about gender, about whatever. And, and you just have a problem with those people, whoever that is. Israel had problems with people groups. And so God, through the prophet Isaiah, mentions these two groups that Israel as a whole had a lot of trouble with. They were foreigners and eunuchs. Now I'm kind of glad that the younger kids are out of here today, because if you don't know what a eunuch is, I'm going to tell you, it's a male who had been castrated. Now, sometimes that happened on accident. Sometimes it happened genetically at, at birth. But often in other cultures outside of Israel, it was done on purpose. Because if you were a eunuch, you could have certain jobs in kingdoms that a a normal man couldn't do. And and so um, you could could ascend the corporate ladder in kingdoms of of the earth if you were a eunuch. And so that did it. And Israel, because they believed that God had commanded them to procreate, to have children, that, that was one of the reasons anyway, that they did not understand or like eunuchs. And in both of these instances, with foreigners and with eunuchs, God says something like incredibly profound that would have made every Israelite angry. So the first thing is, he says, um, to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbath, I will give a monument and name better than sons and daughters, an everlasting name. Now think about this for a minute. This is a culture in which uh, the, the continuing of your name, who you are as a person, your family name was of huge importance. So for a eunuch, they could not carry on their name. Nobody could carry on their name because they couldn't procreate. God says, if you are a eunuch who keeps my Sabbath, if you follow the law of God, I will give you a monument and a name better than having children. Better than just having your name continue physically on this planet. I'm going to give you an everlasting name. It was a, something that a eunuch could not ever hope to achieve. And so this was, this was huge. It's a huge deal. Then he goes to talk about um, foreigners who keep the Sabbath and who honor um, God. And he says, I will bring you into my family. Now, for an Israelite, the idea of bringing a foreigner into the family of of God, into Israel, was like, no, we don't talk about that. Um, And he says, I will bring you into my family, and I'm going to give you joy, and I'm going to accept your offering on my altar. (laughs) Again, Jewish people like They could not handle this. This was huge, like life-altering statements here. Number one, that a foreigner could offer a sacrifice to God in the temple, what would be profane to an Israelite person. But the thing that they would never be able to accept is that that offering offered by a foreigner would be accepted by their God. Couldn't believe it. And then it's here at the end of this section where he mentions these two people group that Israel just hated, that he quotes his father. My house, he says, will be called a house of prayer for all people. Not just the people who look like you and think like you and dress like you and act like you, but the people who you can't stand. From the very beginning of the nation of Israel, God's plan was to use them as a beacon to call all people and all nations and and, and all sinners from all around the world to himself. That was God's plan for for Israel. I want you to be this central hub, and you are going to worship me in a way that every other nation and every other people group is going to see what's going on and see how I'm blessing you, and they're going to go, I want to be a part of what God is doing in, in your life. It's the same thing that's supposed to happen in church and with our relationships. What I find most interesting and what I find most troubling, though, about Isaiah 56 and Jesus' quote in Mark 11 is that we're told that God's house is to be a house of prayer. All of these things that are going on in the temple, all these things are going on with the the Jewish people. and, And he says, he quotes God, my house is to be a house of prayer for all people, for all nations. And I find this troubling because I get so busy trying to do all of the things that need to get done so that we can help every person possible find real life in Jesus and look more like him every day, that I skip the part about God's house being a house of prayer and comfort and salvation and grace for people who I might not otherwise want to be around. People that I might disagree with. People who I might think I don't have anything in common with. Jesus, quoting his father, says this house is to be a house where all of these people can come together because it's not about you having everybody see the way you see. It's about prayer. It's about connecting to God and communicating with with God and developing this kind of vertical relationship with God where you could talk to him and and he talks to you. Whoever the foreigner and the eunuch represent for me or, or in your life. Like I might get so busy doing things in God's house that I actually become worse than the people I think God could never accept. That's what's going on with it. When Jesus quotes Isaiah 56, that's what he's saying to the people, He's saying, look, those foreigners and eunuchs that you think could never be accepted by me, I'm gonna accept them ahead of you because you've forgotten what all this was about to begin with. And that's what I think Jesus is pointing out to the Jews in the temple that day. Have I become more about doing things than about being in relationship with him? I, I, I want you to know Um, because it might have sounded a little strange. I want you to know that that the last couple weeks for me have have been really good as far as my daily devotion has been going, my time in prayer and and, and journaling and and reading through the the book of mysteries. I, I just was reminded this week and I just want to remember not to get so busy doing things for God that I forget to just be with God with him in his house that I that I that I don't spend all my time thinking about all the things that need to get done and and I miss this thing about just being with God and so um to that end I, I want to help us focus more on making sure that this house is actually a house of prayer for all people and so there's a couple things that are that are going on I want to share with you in the coming weeks. We're gonna begin putting a team together uh, uh, to come together on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and pray for every area of this building and every chair in this auditorium, for the band, for myself, for our volunteers, and most especially for every person that God's gonna bring through the door that morning. We want a group of people who's gonna come and just kind of cover this area and this building and this place in, in, in prayer. Uh, And and, and if you'd like to to be a part of that team, to come at 9.30, we'd like to have it so you you, you wouldn't have to come every week unless you just really wanted to. But um, if you wanna be involved in that, just watch the newsletter, the email that's gonna come. because we'd be happy to have you. Like this is one of those things where the, like literally the more the merrier. If you can come at 930, we want you to be here because this house is supposed to be a house of prayer. So be watching the weekly newsletter, how, how to get involved and we'll set up that, that, that team and we'll get that running so that every morning when we come into this place and into this building and when the kids go into their wing, we know that that area, that room, that person has been prayed for that morning. We also want to utilize our online prayer wall more effectively. We've been switching, um, as maybe you know, been switching to a new website, and there's all kinds of things that have to be done there. But if you have a prayer need, we want you to be able to go to the website, and then you can put this prayer up. You can say, here's what I'm going through. And, and there's two options when you do that. You can put it on the prayer wall, which means other people can see it. They can respond to it. They can join with you in prayer. There can be some, um, it's almost like a chat kind of thing. There can be some back and forth conversation and you can like fill them in on what's going on if you want that. There's also gonna be an option there to, to make that more private. And so only the people who we've given access to see those things are, are able to, to look at those. But we wanna utilize that um, m- more effectively. And then if you come in on, on Sunday morning to, to worship and you feel like you want to pray with somebody, maybe God's doing something in your heart and you feel like um, maybe you're ready to make him the king of your life or to be um, baptized or like maybe you just come in just heavy with something and you just feel like you got to talk to somebody and pray to kind of unburden yourself with that stuff. Um, there's a small room right over here through that little uh, opening there. Um, and we're just going to kind of until we start demolishing that, <laughs> we're, gonna, we're gonna set that aside um, for for prayer. And so um, Sunday mornings in the near future after church, uh, uh, if you wanna pray with somebody, we'll give you the opportunity to go over there and um, and do that. And we'll be looking for people to volunteer to help in that area uh, as well. And, and so these are some of the ways that we hope to keep this house a house of prayer for all people, because it's not just this house, it's not our, house, it's his house, and he should get to determine what happens here. Let's pray. God, again, we thank you for loving us and for accepting us into your family, for atoning for our sin. And God, help us never to forget that you didn't just pay the price for our sin. You paid the price for every person that we might see and think they're a sinner. You paid the price for that sin, for every person we might disagree with. We might look at funny. We might think could could never come into your house or would never come into your house. You already paid the price for their sin. We are all in the same boat. And so, Father, um, just help us to see others the way you see them. And help us, God, to remember that that this house, just it's, it's not just four walls that we come to and we hang out for an hour on Sunday. This this really is your house and we need to see it like that. And, and that doesn't mean that we, that we have to monitor everything that happens in here and we have to make sure nobody does anything that we don't think they should. It, it just means that this is to be a place of mercy and grace, forgiveness, hope, and most especially, it's supposed to be a place for prayer. So Father, help us to, to see that through and to make that happen. I thank you, God, for for just for loving us and for calling us and for bringing us here today. And I, I thank you, Father, for for what the kids have learned over in the, the Kids Week. Man, it's been a long time coming. We're so excited for that space and that place for them to learn about Jesus on their level. And we just thank you for that opportunity um, today and that, uh, what's, what you're going to do in the lives of those kids moving forward. So thank you for that, Father, today as well. Um, in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if you want to be a part of prayer and you don't want to wait for that newsletter or, or whatever, you can talk to Kim. She's right here in the second row. Uh, and uh, I think Melly's going to help her as well. And so uh, if you want to know more about that, you can talk to them. Uh, that's what we're going to be doing, working on. Glad to have you. Thanks for joining us uh, online as well. Uh, Easton's got a few announcements.